so good to be back with you guys. Have you ever had to change course? You, you, you were headed in a direction and you were confident about the direction that you were going and then reality hits you. And, and you come to that place of having to make a choice that you either stubbornly just keep going down that path or you humbly accept the direction and you, you change the course. Recently, uh, probably two weeks ago or so, my wife Carla and I were having a discussion. Any of you guys ever have a discussion with your wife? Okay, it was a full all-out debate, and it was on the verge of moving towards a, an argument. <clears throat> and now, as we were going through this, I could vividly remember my experiences. And I knew that I knew that, I, and we just experienced that, just, just recently. And then I could go back to our home in Salado that we lived in just five years ago, and I started convincing her, and I'm a very persuasive person, and I pulled out my personality, and I started convincing her that I was right. <laughs> I defended the truth with my opinion, and I proved my point. Now, we're professionals. We've, we've been married for 37 years, but for 27 years, we have been preparing engaged couples for marriage. Now, because of that, my wife knows how to ask good questions. And so she starts asking me questions. Well, since I'm a professional, I knew that you asked questions with a question. And I started asking her questions. And we started putting the pieces of the puzzle together and it didn't, it went back to Salado, and then it went back to Waco where we had lived for 17 years, and then it went all the way back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was a young youth pastor. And she started asking more questions, and it turned out <laughs> that what I thought was my experience of just a few years ago was actually 30 plus years ago in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was wrong. Hate it when I and I had been misdirected for 30 plus years. Sometimes the way we do church, we're, we're convinced is the right way. My way to connect with God is the right way. My way for spiritual formation is the right way. My, my way for, for faith development is, is the way. And I mean, that's the way we've always done it. That's our experiences. That's what we remember. That's what we go back to. And we've done this for 30 years. I mean, it's, it's biblical. We, we convince ourselves and then we persuade others. And we even defend the truth with our opinions. In reality, I, I don't know about you, but in reality, sometimes I, I am just religious enough to be miserable. My pastor friend says that going to church is, is, is a lot, <laughs> it's just a lousy hobby. And if we have going to church as a hobby, it's, it's, it's a lousy hobby. Now then, I have the privilege of getting to be with you uh, the next three, or the next 
or, or three Sundays out of the five in the month of October. And if the weather's this beautiful, we need to just build a tabernacle and move outside. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. And I'm excited to be here. I got to meet my friend, Rhett and, and Gunner, and I was talking to, I mean, Jet, Jet and Hunter, Gunner, <laughs> Jet with an H, right? And I was talking to him, and I told him, I asked him if he could spell my name, that I would trim 10 minutes off the sermon. And you know what he said? He said, no, just keep preaching. I want to hear it. Keep going. So it's such beautiful outside. I have new energy. We may go for like longer than Jay Mathis went last week. <laughs> Jay's a good friend of mine. Jay, if you're watching, I love you and I appreciate you. And Jet, Gunner, thank you for allowing me just to keep preaching. All right. <clears throat> so in the next three uh, to five Sundays that I'll be with, I want to do a series on John chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go to John 3. But the series we're going to look at is going to be called Questions. Questions. So today, we're going to look at questions from a religious man. And then next week, we'll come back and look at questions can lead to arguments. And then I'll have to be gone because I'll be in East Texas leading a marriage retreat with my wife, and then I come back on the 23rd, and we'll talk about questions conceal what has been revealed. And so this morning, I want us to look at John chapter 3, at the story of a religious man, and see what Jesus does to change his life. So John chapter 3, if you're new it's towards the middle back, and you'll, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and go to chapter 3. And my hope is that this won't be just another religious check-off-the-box moment for you. My hope is that the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to be teacher, and that the Holy Spirit will fall fresh on us this morning. May the Spirit be teacher an instructor, and that everyone will walk away from here and be able to say this morning, God has fallen fresh on me. Since some of us are like me, we're just religious enough to be miserable, this morning I want to take a look at our experience with Jesus, and then I want to look at our questions for Jesus and how those lead to a deeper faith in Jesus Christ. And I, I want to do this by examining a familiar character, or at least familiar if you've watched The Chosen recently. And his name is Nicodemus. He was a key member of the Jewish ruling council. Very, very strong religious man who, who loved God with his heart, soul, and mind and strength. As a young boy, he had memorized the Shema. Deuteronomy 6. He, he knew God. He knew the Old Testament. And what we would call him today is he was an influencer. He approached Jesus, and it was the dark of night, and he wanted to ask some questions and discover more about who and what this teacher was doing. So John chapter 3. Let's pick up in verse 2. John 3 verse 2 says this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. 
Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered in verse 5, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are a religious teacher. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus asked. And you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. This is our key verse. Underline it, highlight it. This week, meditate it. Meditate on it. These, these red letters of the New Testament are saying, okay, listen up. I'm going to tell you the truth. We, we, we talk about what we know and we believe what we have experienced. Verse 11, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Our first point is our experience with Jesus. Verse 11, we talk about what we know and we believe what we have experienced. Let, let's, ex let, let's, let's first examine the experiences of this religious man, Nicodemus. I, I, be, I really do believe you could, you could say he is religious like most of us. You, you might could even say he was overtly religious. Possibly just religious enough to be miserable. And he's searching to know more. He wants to know more about Jesus. From his full-time job as, as being a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus knew, like these other 70 godly men, their job was to be the defenders of the truth. It was a tribunal council who made all the decisions of the, 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 for the Jewish people. They protected the laws of the land, sort of like our Supreme Court. They, they ruled over. And Nicodemus, he was a wise and trusted man. And he had lots of experience with humanity and religion. Yet, this man, Nicodemus, was curious. Is this the Messiah? He asked. As if to say, I, I, I want to know more. Something is drawing me in to want to know more. Look at verse two. Nicodemus says, when he came, it says Jesus, Nicodemus came to Jesus in the dark and, and verse two says, Rabbi. He, he respectfully refers to Jesus as Rabbi. It, it was a, a, a high honor 
for Jewish leaders or religious teachers who knew the Talmud, that it would, it was sort of like us acknowledging an ordained minister as reverend or a professor at, at, at UMHB to, to, to refer to them as, as, as doctor. It was a, a respected term. And he comes to Jesus, Nicodemus, this, this rabbi, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. He acknowledges the evidence of God. Now, let me hit pause right here. When I read about Nicodemus' experiences, it tells me much about my daily life. I mean, he was going full speed. He was very involved in the community. He was making a difference in the lives of people. He was busy serving and giving. And most of the time, it was out of his own strength. I don't know about you, but when I serve and give and serve and give and serve, sometimes I get on that treadmill of giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And after several weeks, man, I'm just, I'm just tuckered out. I'm worn out. I, I, I find myself at that place of being so busy that I long for, for something different. The weeks seem to stretch into months and the months stretch into years and, and then burnout can occur. Several years ago, I was working at the University of Mary Hardin Baylor as a vice president of student life, and I was going to present to a group of, of college students a, a talk. <clears throat> and most college students are just so busy. They find themselves coming and going. So I thought, I'm going to do something on busyness. So I thought, well, I'll look up the, the definition of busyness. Now then, I wasn't blessed like you guys that, that, that are either homeschooled or you go to a, a, a Brazos uh, Christian Academy. Brazos? Yeah, there you go. Brazos River. Well, I'm sure it is. <clears throat> Brazos River Academy. Or I don't go to the other Christian school, China, China Spring High School. I went to Rotan High School. There's two reasons to go to Rotan High School, and that's to play football and to show pigs. So I didn't get the best education in the world at Rotan High School. <clears throat> But I knew enough to look up the word busyness. You drop the Y and you add an I and you look B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. -S. So I looked up B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. -S. Man, we got some smart kids that are already figuring it out. I looked it up and it said gainful activity. And I thought gainful activity? That doesn't sound like gainful activity. And then I looked, I was smart enough to look in the parentheses and that word B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S is business, gainful activity, B-U-S-I, business, business, or where I came from, business, take care of business, gainful activity. So then I went and looked up the word busy and then saw the parentheses of N-E-S-S, -S, and here's what it said. It said, cluttered activity with minute detail that distracts us from the focal point. And I went, wow. That's good. I don't even need a scripture to go to that one. I'll go and teach that. Cluttered activity with minute detail that distracts us from the focal point. You know, the cluttered activity with minute detail is what causes me 
to be just religious enough to be miserable. This may be where our friend Nicodemus was when he secretly, in the dark of night, sought Jesus out. You see, he acknowledges the evidence of a holy God when he said in verse 2, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Look at Jesus' respectful response in verse 3. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus brings him back to the focal point. Watch this. Nicodemus had questions, thought-provoking questions, and Jesus was not intimidated one iota by those questions. Our experiences create questions, which lead to a deeper faith. So it leads us to point number two, our questions for Jesus. God is not intimidated by our questions. In fact, I think he welcomes them because it helps us grow. Sometimes our questions make sense to us, but to no one else. Maybe like my friend's uh, little three-year-old girl. They were eating at Chick-fil-A and, and had some chicken nuggets, and she was taking out the chicken nuggets, and she kept saying, Mom, check up for my nuggets. Take another one out. Check up for my nuggets. And, and the mom, not really knowing, and the child had been to the doctor, so the mom starts doing a very thorough medical exam of all of the chicken nuggets and said, they're good. And the child starts crying, check up, check up, check up. And then she realizes she's asking for ketchup for my nuggets. Some of you moms have been there. And a mom can do all that they can do to try to help their kids. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I think a father can do something for their sons or daughters, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But the questions begin to make sense when you understand the context. You've heard it said, and maybe you've even used it, there are no stupid questions. The only stupid question is what? The one that's never asked. <clears throat> Nicodemus asked Jesus two thought-provoking questions here in this text <clears throat> about Jesus' comment of being born again. But really, it was his question behind the question, which is normally the case. Typically, we want to know the question behind the question. In the story, Nicodemus is asking about being born again. But his question, he really wants to find the answer to, is, is Jesus God? Is Jesus who he says he is? We have the beauty of having John chapter 1 to understand that Jesus is God. But Nicodemus didn't. But he had been hearing the rumblings that he was. <clears throat> and because if he is then Nicodemus has two options. One, Jesus has committed blasphemy and it's going to end in death. It's going to end in Jesus' death. 
or he's the Messiah and it ends in eternal life. Eternal life for Nicodemus and it changes the course for Nicodemus and it also changes the course for Byron and for you. Look at verse four. Nicodemus asks, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I mean, it's a fair question. If you're thinking logically, it's a good question. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. There are some who believe that Jesus is talking about water baptism. But, but I don't think that's what he's referencing here. I believe he's fully talking about childbirth or a mother bringing child into the world, being brought into the world physically, and then being brought into the fullness of life by knowing and understanding the Spirit. He goes on to say, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are physically born and then brought into the spirit realm by knowing who Jesus is. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Then Nicodemus asked a second question, like a good judge looking for a verdict should. And Nicodemus in verse 9 says, how can this be? <laughs> I love Jesus's, come on, man. I love his response here. It's like, in verse 10, it's like, come on, man. You are Israel's teacher. Jesus said, you're Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? He asked a question with a question. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. Come on, come on, man. You appear as one who is just religious enough to be miserable. And we talk about what we know. And we believe what we have experienced. And I'm trying to unleash the spirit of God in your life. But still, but still, Jesus says, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe? How then, how in the world will you believe if I start talking about heavenly things? You see, it's our experiences and our questions that lead us to a deeper faith. And this brings us to our third point of the text. When we ask questions of or about God, we, we must listen carefully to the answers. And that's what leads us to a deeper faith in Christ, or our third point leads us to a deeper faith in Christ. It, it'll, it'll be a bird dog that points directly to the truth of God. Look at verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. See what Jesus is doing here? He then uses the Old Testament reference because he knows Nicodemus knows the Old Testament well. He uses the Old Testament reference to connect the listener, Nicodemus, 
from the book of Numbers, chapter 21. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. And here it comes, the grand conclusion, the most memorized verse in the Bible, Titus's favorite verse, the Tim Tebow eye black, or if you're old enough to remember the guy with the rainbow wig that used to hold up the sign that said John 3:16 at all sporting events, here it comes. For God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world should not perish, but have but have what? Wait, wait, wait. But have what? Eternal life, not religious life, but eternal, everlasting, life-giving, meaning, purpose kind of life. Goes on to say in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. His desire is not for you to be busy with cluttered activity. You see, that causes us to be just religious enough to be miserable. He wants us to, to know the truth and allow the truth to set us free, free to be who we were, were created to be, full of life, gainful activity about the business for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Here it comes. O ruler of the religious council, O wise and powerful one of the Sanhedrin, as if to say, I'm dropping the verdict on you faster than Judge Judy can bang her gavel. Here it comes. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. It's not the letter of the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed, and behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, they must be born again. The old is now buried, and the new has been walked to, raised to walk in new life. Ephesians 5, 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of our works, 
not the result of our busyness, not the result of being on the treadmill. It's the result of a powerful, holy God. <clears throat> and because it is, it brings us into humility. And nobody can boast. All we can boast about is that. Simply not being religious, but believing in and trusting in the one true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to welcome Jesus into our everyday, our Monday through Saturday kind of days. <clears throat> I love being able to read all the way through the book of John because in John chapter 19, Nicodemus came into the light. He came into the daylight. He didn't have to go into the dark and hide and try to find truths about Jesus. He came into the light. And we, we find that upon the death and the burial of Jesus Christ, we find that Joseph of Arimathea petitioned Pilate to take the body of Jesus. So during broad daylight, beautiful sunny day, with permission of Pilate, Joseph came and took the body out of the grave. Flip over to John chapter 19. I want to show you this because this is just too good. This is too good for you to miss it. John chapter 19. Joseph of Arimathea, his petitioned Pilate. And look at, look at verse 39. John 19 verse 39. It says this. He had, he, Joseph of Arimathea, was accompanied by who? Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds, and then verse 40 and 41 tells us how these two men buried Jesus in accordance to the, the Jewish burial custom. This man, Jesus, whom the miserable religious People like you and me brutally crucified took on the sins of the world on that old rugged cross for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting meaningful life. Therefore, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came honestly seeking God at night with lots of questions. By the time that Jesus' crucifixion had taken place, Nicodemus had grown bold enough to publicly reveal what he now believed. He had experienced Jesus as the Messiah. And Nicodemus had come into the light regarding his faith, and Jesus had changed his life. You see, it was his experience with Jesus and his questions for Jesus that led him into a deeper faith with Jesus Christ. Won't you allow Jesus to move you beyond the religious into a deep, meaningful life with him? Won't you step out of your human experiences into being a faithful follower of Christ? 
It changes the course of where we're headed when we see the reality of what took place on the cross. Let's pray together.